Welcome everyone, I am Thomas Morino, a director in the digital practice at management consultancy firm Alex Partners. It's great that you can join us for the latest episode of Startup Sessions, where we explore the life in the world of born digital tech businesses, all of which were at one point startups. Today, I am joined by my colleague, partner Paul Fanning from our digital team, and we're delighted to welcome Nicola Castelnovo, co-founder and CEO of Crowdu, a market-leading business banking platform for SMEs in emerging Asia. Hi, Thomas. Hi, Paul. Thank you for having me. Nicola, could we start with you telling us a bit about your current company and the opportunity that you identified as co-founder? Crowdo is a neobank for business and individuals. To our business client, what we offer is a digitalization service. We embedded financial uh, product and services. So you can think about business owners and entrepreneurs can come to our platform, digitalizing all the interaction in their supply chain, in their value chain, interact with their customer, supplier, sending, receiving invoices. And while doing that, they get access to financial products and services when and where they need it. To our individual customer, what we offer are mostly payment and services related to their payroll. When we start this company, I was working prior to start this uh, business, I was working in a bank and I saw firsthand how business owner and entrepreneur, they were struggling to interact with the bank, mostly on three areas, not having the data required, not having the documentation required and not knowing the exact process to follow. Management understood that those area could be easily uh, addressed and solved and improved through technology. So there's where the idea came. There's where we identified a gap and we thought there was a technology solution that could have been applied. Having poor access to financial products and services has in an economy like developing economy, companies that they can grow thanks to access to credit, for example, they have a, benefit, a significant benefit impact on their community. Higher employer, better um, household income. On the other hand, uh, there is a significant negative impact by not being able to grow a business because of a lack of financial products and services. And that is what really motivated me to start this business. Thank you, Nicola. And that's very interesting. So we heard a bit about consulting and experience in banking. What is it specifically in the mix that you think was a particular, um, a particular benefit in your prior experience that basically drew your career pathway to this point? I believe that fintech must have experience or expertise in three main areas. One is technology. The second one is uh, banking or finance. And the third one is business administration or general management. The intersection of these three areas is where fintech is, is where the true innovation is generated. And I'm stressing, I want to stress that business administration, general management, because often fintech is thought to be the combination between tech and finance, right? As the name suggested. However, I believe the real innovation comes from innovative business model powered by or enabled by technology. So that's why the third area of expertise, which is around business management, is very important. So if I look at my, my career and my uh, educational background. I'm an engineer as an education. I worked seven years in Accenture, management consultant company with a strong focus on technology, 
large digital transformation project. After that, I wanted to move into finance. So I did an MBA at INSEAD that allowed me to be hired at Standard Chartered Bank, where I was a trader on the financial markets in Asia and in Europe. I stayed another six years. So after six years, I had like a solid technology background, solid banking and financial experience. The natural progression was to, to enter in fintech. And I wanted to do it as, as a founder. And that's where I started Crowder. Great. So, so looking at um, where you are, where, where Crowder is actually, actually moving, we, we look at different stages of growth, uh, Nicola. So we look at like the incubation, expand, scale, and then that sustain and extend phases. Where, where do you think you are in that, in that growth cycle at the moment? We are at the scaling stage. So we currently operate in three countries and we are growing plan to expand geogra geographically in your country and also to increase our market penetration in our existing cast, uh, uh, countries. And also when we, we're looking at the, the challenges that you might have during those, that sort of stage, what would you see for you as a company or and personally what those biggest challenges uh, have been? The scaling stage as a founder, I think one of the biggest challenge um, we are facing is delegation, right? We came from a stage where we could personally and directly manage all the aspects of the company. Technology, sales, uh, finance, marketing, compliance, we were there. Now we are in a stage or the scale where that is not possible to do, physically not possible to do. So we need to delegate. And delegate is a key important factor of scaling a business. Well, delegation comes also with risk because a company with uh, this rate of growth and this size, delegating to the wrong person can cause a significant negative impact. So I guess the question is, how do you mitigate the, uh, your business to uh, other people? So we operate in, in, on two different ways in our company. One is through a strong leadership culture. We want to build an organization which promotes and incentivizes leaders. And the second one is about standardization. We build solid SOP and we are trying to increase as much as possible the level of automation by focusing our effort in these two areas, leadership development and the standardization. We can scale uh, by mitigating the risk of scaling to the wrong people. This is really good, actually, and we see lots of companies, particularly when they're uh, operated by founders, they think their company is their baby, and so delegation is almost emotionally problematic. Um, so thank you for sharing this. What do you think are the keys uh, to the business success so far? I, I believe there are four main uh, keys for successful, and this is that the four points that I'm also trying to get all my employees to, to work with. The first one is about preparation. I think preparation is 80% of the success. No matter what is your next engagement, it, if it's just a meeting with the client, is an internal phone call, <clears throat> or is developing a project to launch a new product or to enter a new market, you need to be prepared. You need to read your data, you need to study your trend, you need to do your homework. Before starting every activity, I always ask my employees to ask themselves, Am I ready for this? Did I prepare myself for this? The second point is 
have clear objective. And this objective must be clearly commu be communicated to everyone. Again, this applies to the next phone call, the next internal meeting, the next partnership. The question I want my employees and I ask myself is that, what do I want to get out of this? And this has to be very well communicated and I agree with all the parties. The third point of what I believe contribute to success is what I call 100% focus. Everything you do deserves 100% of your brain power and energy. Doesn't matter if it's negotiating is a, if you are negotiating a strong, like a new partnership, or if you are choosing the water fountain for the office. Whatever you do in that moment gives everything you have. And the fourth point is about always having a plan B. Because building a company, building a new business, innovate is a complicated um, matter. And something will go wrong, for sure. You can, have, you can be super prepared, you can have very clear objective, you can put 100% of your resources, something will go wrong. And when that happens, you don't want to say, okay, what do we do right now? You want to have already the next step planned. So that's why in my company, when every time we make a decision, we run what we call a scenario analysis. So we said, what do we do if this doesn't happen? And what, what can happen? What do we do if something has happened, right? And this helps us to kind of be ready in when something unexpected comes up. That's, that's really interesting. So, so it sounds just to, to summarize things, you've covered, I mean, cultural perspective. And as a business leader, then it sounds like that you're, you, you very much focus on making sure everyone in the company share that common goal and that common drive so that's you know as you, as you scale then you know you've got to keep that keep that ethos within the company but obviously you want to delegate you're not trying to control everything you're trying to make sure you find those future leaders uh, of the future you know you get bigger by having those those people with the right cultural view um, to drive the company forward is that would that be really where you how you think of the company yes i believe the success for the companies driven by their people and everyone in the company contribute the success of the company. Yes. Well, one thing I, when I was, um, when I was thinking about this and reflecting on the market, you know, and it, I mean, it is a challenging market. I mean, it's got, it's very highly regulated. It's not, not really known as a, as a market that's easy to break into. How have you, you managed to sort of navigate that complexity and that regulatory aspect to be able to, to grow and, um, not only drive frictionless services to your clients, but also navigate that quite complex uh, sort of regulatory and compliance environment. Yes, yeah, so I think one of the distinctive factors of this, the industry we are in is the regulatory aspect, right? So which has to be properly addressed and, uh, and the proper resources need to be allocated, both to uh, acquire license to enter a new market and also to maintain and, uh, and maintain a license and, and be compliant. One is to, it's important to see the regulator as a key because the regulator helps to maintain and to build a very mature industry. And therefore working alongside with the share alignment with the regulator is very important. And cost, constant engagement with regulators through uh, round table to a request for public input. That is very important, right? In some market, what we find also more, very beneficial is to work through association, is to create fintech association. 
So to be able to position your, to, to be able to go to talk with the regulators as an industry and not as individual company, right? So you, you discuss in terms of the FinTech Association about the, the, you know, the proposal, the issue that you have, and then you go as association to the regulator. And I think from pure management point of view, like it's really understanding this is a, it's a, it's a big part of the business. It's a big part of the industry we are in. It has to be properly budgeted for. Has to be, you need to have a proper talent and proper people with the right expertise to handle as uh, this important stakeholder. Yeah. Okay. I guess once you've um, proved that transparency and trust with the regulators, then obviously that it makes it, makes it easier as you, as, you, as you kind of grow. Absolutely. Thank you, Nicola. That's been very, very helpful. Perhaps to, to close the conversation, what we'd like to do and what we normally do on this podcast is ask people like three kind of quick fire questions um, to kind of get your thoughts on what the future might hold. The first question is looking ahead, what do you think would be the most disruptive factors to contend with and the most critical one for uh, fintechs to perform in the current climate? I think there are two disruptive technology that can bring a significant, that can have a significant impact in our space. One is blockchain and the other one is generative AI. Blockchain will have a significant impact on everything which is transactional, everything which is uh, uh, authentication based, documentation based. And um, I believe, uh, I like to think blockchain as a, as a way to digitalize trust. I think the application layer and the business model to use blockchain is not ready yet, but as soon as there will be, there will be a significant disruptive impact in our, in our business. The second is about generative AI. And the thing here is generative AI is seen as a, having a significant impact on an area of banking, which has not been touched yet too much by FinTech, which is all the value added services like investment banking, like wealth management, right? Everything which is like advisory based. So we already see some example, like for example, in the wealth management where robo-advisory company, they are delivering significant value on a space which is really, really consultant-based. I'm expecting to see a lot more coming also on the M&A space, for example. Other areas that can be, attacked, uh, can be impacted by the uh, Gen AI are uh, insure tech, for example, or uh, regulatory tech as well, reg tech. But it sounds like you haven't... Um... I mean, you've had great success with it, with it, with this venture. Is there any advice that you would uh, you'd give people who wanted to to embark on a on a similar sort of startup journey? Absolutely, I think two advice. One is more personal, and one is more technical. The first personal one is that make sure you do something which is aligned with your value. The entrepreneur roller coaster is real, and when you are at the bottom of the roller coaster, you need to have something that you push you up. And that can only be something which is very much aligned with what you believe. So that you, need, you must believe you're doing something good to be able to you know, get momentum and speed and go back, right? The second one is more technical. I think it is very important in this current uh, economical situation, if you start a company to think of starting a company with a very solid balance sheet. I think the time where you can raise, a, you can, uh, run, you can create a company and, uh, and depending on external funding based on some vanity metrics like the number of users, number of downloads are far gone. Now I think you need to have a solid balance sheet to start with. 
you need to probably aim for profitability as soon as possible, right? Before it was like top line, before it's like, show me you can generate revenue. I can give you some, uh, some funding. Now you need to show revenue, but you also need to show that you can monetize. You can, sorry, you can generate profit. And the last question we normally ask, which is usually a bit of a trick question. Uh, can you try and make a prediction of something you think will happen in the market over the next 12 months? Staying in the fintech sector, I strongly believe there is a lot of growth in the banking as a service. And when I say banking as a service, it means that companies that are trying to embed financial products and services in non-financial journey. For example, buy now, pay later. The user can go to e-commerce website, enjoy their, you know, filling their cart with all the product that they like. And when they get to check out and pay, they can choose if to want to pay now or to pay in 30 days or to pay in, in, in 60 days. And that adds joy to the purchasing process online. And behind, most people don't realize there is a loan, there is a financial transaction, there is a financial product. I think that process of hiding the complexity and hiding the financial products and services behind non-financial rated journeys, something we will see more and more coming. And you think it's really, really in line with the customer-centric strategy that most companies are pursuing, focusing and giving like a best service to the client by hiding the complexity, thanks to technology. Thank you, Nicola. Well, look, this has been a brilliant conversation. So thank you so much for your time. I think the insight that you've given us uh, is very interesting and I hope our listeners will agree with me. So I wanted to thank you for this and also thank all of our listeners for, for tuning in. I hope you can join us for the next episode of Alice Partners Startup Sessions. Goodbye and have a great day. Thank you, Thomas. Thank you, Paul.